Wow. Podcasts. Our tech team and our creative team have been working hard to make that happen so that if you guys are out of town or you're sick, you guys can hear it. Now, I hate hearing myself talk on, on that, but you know what? We will do it for you so that you can keep going and keep in the game just like that. So you were made for. We're ending that series today. You were made for more. You were made for community. You were made for purpose. And today, we're going to talk about something that, that I love to talk about, is you were made for worship. You were made for worship. Today's text, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Psalm 95. We'll get to that in a minute. But this is one of the most famous portions of Scripture regarding worship. This is one of many songs that the Jewish people, when they would, right before they would go into the temple grounds there, they would actually be singing this praise and worship to God. That's kind of why we are going to learn from this text today all about worship. It's a, it's an, it's a beautiful invitation for us to worship God. And so today, if you have your Bibles or you can just focus on the screen because they will have it. You, let me just go ahead and read it. Psalm 95 it says, Come, let us sing to the Lord, let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving, let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands that formed the dry land too. Come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. The Lord says, don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Meribah, as they did at Massa in the wilderness. For there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw everything I did. For 40 years, I was angry with them. And I said, they are the people uh, whose hearts turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. And today, after this, I hope we do. I hope we actually listen to what they said, what the author of Psalm 95 was talking about. See, this is a very important message because our heart here at the Springs is to see the church, you know, of a worship culture. Having a worship culture where people are just going after God like they've never gone after him before. That is what our heart is. I've always loved to worship. Always. But I've worshiped differently in my different seasons in life. When I was a young boy, they would always ask me, at the Baptist church that I grew up in, they'd say, hey, will you come sing a solo? Will you do this? Will you do that? And I was like, yeah, sure. But as you see now, I am not up here leading because I had that voice change and I no longer can sing or lead in, in, in worship aspect. But if you look at me during the service, which I don't encourage you to do, but the thing is, is I'm worshiping. Because I'm going after God because that's, it's his, he deserves it. You know, this morning I woke up about six times. Yes, six times. 
Went to bed about midnight, got up about 1, went to bed about 1.30, or got up about 1.30, and it was just a bad night. But I tell you, today, I feel that God has something for each of us. God wants to even teach me something. But when I woke up the final time, I was able to push that button, that play on my playlist and listen and worship this morning before I came. Because I practice what I preach. I go after God like I've never gone after anybody or anything in my life. And I pray after today's message that we can become a church who loves God and shows it in our expression through worship. If you grew up in church, you're familiar with worship, right? You've, you've had hymns or you've, you've sang contemporary or things to that nature. If you're new to church, sometimes people think it's a little weird, right? They, they hear songs and they see people raising their hands and hear this clapping and don't understand why people are cheering and, and things like that. And men, we struggle. We struggle because we, we have a hard time showing our emotions. And we don't want to show our emotions, especially in front of the people that are looking at us. We might do it in public or in private, like, but like, we just don't go after him because we're afraid of showing our emotions. And women, they tend to be the worshipers because they are in touch with their emotions. Personality plays a big part sometimes, reserved or outgoing. Are you one that doesn't talk well with people and don't, you, you're the one that stands in, in the corner in the party? during the party. But here's the thing, is I know that worship is meant for all of us. For some of you, worship isn't new, and you've been raised up in church, but you've just been going through the worship motions. You haven't understand why you're doing it. And so today, after, after we talk, after we dissect Psalm 95, I pray, that we will understand, we will be able to see, and we will fall in love with God like we've never done before. So there's three questions we're going to ask and talk about today. Question one, what is worship? Question two, why should we worship? And question three, how should we worship? So what is worship? What does that look like? Now, in the text, we see the call to sing, shout, give thanks, praise, worship, bow, kneel, and listen. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our, of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he, he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care, if only you would listen to his voice. Now, in the Old Testament, we have this all written in Hebrew. In the New Testament, it's all about the Greek. But I'm going to give you some Hebrew words, and I'm going to do my best to pronounce them. So don't laugh, okay? They're going to be up on the screen. If you want to try and pronounce, you can try to pronounce. I'll let you. Like, I'll laugh at you too. Because I know you're going to, all right? But that's okay, because these words 
written in the Hebrew are very important and their meanings are just as important. So let's go the first word, halah. Means to praise, to shine, to boast, to show, to rave, to celebrate. I mean, we get the word hallelujah from this. Right? But here's the thing. This is like your team goes and plays football or whatever sport you may like or your kids are in an activity and you are just going nuts because they just did something amazing. That's it. You're going, you're screaming, you're yelling. This is like me watching my favorite football team on, except we didn't do that much. But, you know, that, that is, that is, that is it. It's you going after God like never gone after him before, screaming. And the thing is, but many churches don't. Because many churches don't have hala in their vocabulary. The next one, yada, means the extended hand. To throw out the hand. Therefore, to worship with an extended hand. So it's like, if I were to ask you right now to raise your hand if you're human. If you're not raising your hand, then we need to have a conversation afterwards. But that's it. That's raising your hand. You wouldn't even think about it. You would just raise your hand. It's like, listen, you know, it's it's listening to God because he likes When we do that, he likes when we praise him. He likes when we surrender to him. So number three, Barak, Barak means to kneel down, to bless God as an act of adoration. A best picture would be someone that is royal or like you would come into in contact with the Queen of England or any of, the, of them over there that, that do that, and you would bow down as you're shaking their hand. That would be it. That's what that is. Zamar, to pluck the strings of an instrument. I am not skilled to do that. But the second part I can do, but just not in tune, to sing and praise. A musical word which is largely involved with joy, joyful expressions of music with musical instruments. If you are gifted with musical instruments, I encourage you to go after and talk to, talk to our worship team. See if you can get involved because we would love for you to pluck some strings up here. If you play another instrument that doesn't cause that and you just want to bang things or play keys, please come. Because we would love to be having you on our team. But Shabak, number five, means to shout, to address in a loud tone. And I'm not talking like how sometimes we have that friendly conversation with our significant other or our children. I'm not talking about that time that you're in the car and you see someone that cuts you off and you might vocally express something. I'm talking about shouting in addressing in a loud tone because it deserves command and triumph because guess what? Jesus came and died and was victorious in that. So shouldn't we live in that victory? Shouldn't we worship in that victory? Because that's what he's called us to do. Number six, tauda. An extension of the hand in adoration. Wow, twice. 
two out of the seven praise words we see are raising of hands. So I'm telling you that because I want you to understand that this is something crucial. Now, here's what I know. I know that if, I know that you guys are so good that you never have had this happen, but you've seen it probably on a show called Cops, and they say raise their hands. And sometimes you see the, the time that they're not really doing that. But then you see the time of surrender, and that is lifting of both hands above their head. I've never done this, so I don't know exactly how the performance is. But I've watched it. So I'm thinking it's this way. But, but we sh- surrender. It's that act of surrendering to God in that time of worship. Raising hands isn't a charismatic thing. It's been going on for thousands of years. We see and read it in the text of Psalm 95. It's because people are going after God because they love him. And they're surrendering to him. Now, The seventh word I'm going to do with you. You ready? Tehillah. It's not tequila. Tehillah. (laughs) Tehillah. Say it. Tehillah. All right. The singing of halas. To sing or to extol. Perceived to involve music, especially singing. Worship is singing, shouting, thanking, praising. Bowing, kneeling, and listening. But it's more than just emotion and expression. There are just outward expressions of an inward reality. That's what worship is. In Psalm 95, the worship described engages the whole of the person, the heart desires, the mind reason, and the will emotions, the body, how we are wired, what that is. That's what it involves. Worship is the act of of ascribing ultimate value to something. Worth-ship. An old English word meaning expressing homage, respect, honor, adoration to God because he's worth it. We just said that we live in the victory, so shouldn't he receive our praises? Shouldn't he receive? Everything that we have. Worship is always an expression. It's demonstrated. It's the Bible clap, the, you know, the shouting, the sing, dance, kneel, bow, cry. It's always in action. It displays an affection. It's, it's like that, that woman who goes to a jewelry store. I've never seen, my wife has never had this, so I would never have experienced this, but I'm sure that this has happened, that a woman has gone into a jewelry store and taken that, that, that pendant, that, that diamond that has been passed down from generations to generations to generations, and that they take it to the drawer and they say, okay, what, what is this worth? And the jeweler says, nothing. He doesn't say it's worth nothing. He says nothing. Because he's such an amazed, he's in such amazement of of something that he's never seen. He's never experienced. He's, He's silent. He's like, oh my gosh. And then he says, in 30 years of my business, I've never seen something that has compared to this. 
this is what worship is like. It's realizing who God is and that nothing and no one compares to him. And he is of greatest value to you. You ascribe to him what he is due, worship and glory. So number two, why should we worship? You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. If you worship, you only have a choice what you worship. Because we worship something. Everyone is a worshiper. It's in our DNA. We are all worshiping something or someone. Worship is declaring that something or someone is of the greatest worth to you. So I'm not saying everything and everyone you show value, honor, respect. You know, I'm not saying that. Because that's like you show that, but you don't show it in this manner. What I'm saying is, is that what are you giving your best to? So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. And they're going to be something for you guys to really think about. And I'm going to pause and give you that awkward moment for you to think about it. All right? So what or who do you value the most? Who, what is of the greatest worth to you? Is it God? Is it a relationship with a boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, friend, your reputation or self-image? Your company, your career? The answers to that question reveals what you worship. Anything we worship other than God will distort us and destroy us. I'm not a big Harry Potter fan, but I do remember something that happened in Harry Potter. It was the mirror of a rise, and if I pronounced it wrong, I apologize. But when Harry looked at it in the mirror, it reflected the greatest desires of that person. And, and so if you were to look in that mirror, what would be the greatest desire for you? Dallas Willard says this, human beings are at the core defined by what they worship rather than primarily by what they think, know, or believe. That is bound up with the central Augustinian claim that we are what we love. So, starting point is understanding these two truths. We are all worshipers, and God is the only one worthy of our worship. He's the only one worthy of our worship. Luke 4, 8 says this. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Even Jesus taught about it. You must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. I think a lot of times in our life, we worship a lot of other things. And it gets in the way of God. And experiencing what he wants to experience through him. It is great that we have fire insurance if we accept Jesus. But that's not what it's all about. It's about experiencing his presence in every moment 
of our lives. Don't you want that? Don't you want that? Like, you just walk outside, and yesterday we started to see this really dark cloud. And instead of saying, oh, it's going to rain when we put this stuff in storage, we should praise because guess what? We live in a desert, and rain is very important here. So we should give praise. We should give honor. We should give glory because that's what he's worth. How do we do that? How should we worship? This is the third point, but it has a lot of things that are tied into this point. Because there's four ways that Psalm 95 teaches us how we should worship. The first one is in community. If you read Psalm 95, 1, it says, Come, let us sing to the Lord. Come, let us sing to the Lord. I'm no English major, but that is plural. Let us sing. Many times we'll see that throughout the text. We should definitely worship, though, alone. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, okay? But there's something about worshiping together. There's something about experiencing something that we're going to get when we worship in community. We should definitely worship by ourselves, but private worship is preparation for corporate worship. That's what private worship is. In private worship, we develop an intimacy with God, and then we all come together for a big celebration. How many times... Do we go into churches and we see this? Aren't we coming into something that we should celebrate because of what he has done for each and every one of us? What he did up on that cross? In several weeks, we're going to have Easter. And we get to celebrate the victory. But a lot of times we come in and we're carrying the world's problems. And we're not supposed to. We're supposed to come in and celebrate his presence. You may want to start at the private practice first, and that's okay. But I believe we actually have an opportunity to experience even more when we come together from God, I believe God wants to do something more in all of us together, not just by ourselves. C.S. Lewis once wrote this about two friends. One had passed away, and now he thought that he would get more of the opportunity to hang out with this other friend that was still alive. Because he didn't really get... he. He didn't really get that opportunity as they were together because when they were together, it was all three of them. But to his surprise, he got less. After his friend died, he got less of his other friend. He said that there was a side of his friend that only came out of him when he was around the friend that had passed away. He made him laugh a certain way that I cannot do. 
when we were all together, I got to see a side of my friends that I wouldn't normally see because we all pull a different aspect out of each and every one of us. So it's not about just doing it by yourself. It's about coming together and pulling each and everybody, each and every one of us together to do worship, to go after God, to celebrate God like we've never done it. There's, there's aspects of God that we will only see when we worship in community. Number two, in truth. Psalm 95.1 says, Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, great king above all gods. He holds in his hand the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The seas, the sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands form the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. Worship is a good melody with a good theology. Because if you worship God, that is a great theology. True worship is based on truth about who God is. That's where worship is. It's where it starts. Number three, in God's presence. Psalm 95.6 says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. This is the difference maker for us. Worship isn't a performance. It's not a show. I love performances, and I love shows. I've been to a lot of them. However, shows and performances are for entertainment. Worship is not. It's not about the, the bands performing on the stage. It's about coming into the presence of our creator, the king, our shepherd, the only one that can save us, heal us, and deliver us and make us whole. That is what worship is all about. That is what it is. So how awesome is that because of Jesus making a way for us by dying on the cross, we can now enter God's presence and experience him. Not too awesome, huh? You guys aren't clapping. That would have been a great amen. Talking back, like something. Because that is, that is what it's about. It's about someone who paid his life. Jesus Christ, who paid his life for you and for me so that we can spend eternity with God and worshiping God for eternity. That is a celebration. That is something that we should be like, every time we come in, the weight of the world should be left at the door. We should be coming in wanting to go after him like no other. Because number four, God is our focus. He is the focus. It ain't about me. It's not about the team. It's not about the sound. It's not about anything like that. It's all about God. Psalm 95 references God as the focus of the song over a dozen times. A dozen. This is a reminder that worship is not about us. 
there are worship songs out there that people claim that it is a worship song, but it's not because it's about them. It's about us. Worship is about him. That is all it's ever been about. For thousands of years, we can see, we can date back to Psalm 95 and before. That's what it was all about. Worship is never a question of, did we like worship today? Because there are songs that you're going to walk into and be like, that didn't do it for me. That's not the question. The question is, did it do something for him? Did it honor, did it glorify him? That's what it's about. That's what it's all about. The writer of Psalms comes back to the heart of the matter, which is the matter of the heart. Psalms 95, 8 says this. The Lord says, don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Meribah, as they did at Massa in the wilderness. The songwriter says, worship is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Do not harden your hearts. He gives us a warning. Don't harden them. He references their fathers of, the fathers of Israel, referring to the days in the wilderness. What did they do? What were they doing? Do you remember? That's a great question, Brian. I don't remember, so I'll let you know what the answer is. They complained. They complained. They worried. And they disobeyed. So I want to tell you what those three words mean. And this is why it hardens our hearts. Complaining reveals an ungrateful heart. Ungrateful for what he's done. That's what complaining does. Worry reveals an unbelieving heart, not trusting that he has it under control. How many are warriors? I'm a warrior. And I don't like it. I don't like it. Because that shows how much trust I don't have. God has showed up in the the 11th hour. I would say 11th hour and 59th minute many times getting this church started. But me being impatient, me being direct, and me being who the person he has gifted me to be has questioned him every time. But the thing is, is that my heart needs to get away from the worry. And trust, whatever that answer looks like, it was because of what he wanted it to be. That's what it's all about. It's us trusting him. And number three, disobeying reveals an unwilling heart, not willing to surrender your way to follow his way. It's a hard heart. Look, there are some things that he's going to call you to that you're not going to like. I stepped out in faith coming to Utah from Florida. But I will say this. For 10 years, I claimed one place was paradise. I will tell you, this is my paradise. This is where he's called me to be. This is where all along I was supposed to be. But I was too stupid and too ignorant to hear what he wanted me to hear. And I was worrying about the decisions about me and not about him. Disobeying is not somewhere we want to be. 
Sometimes it's not these things or something negative that causes, that's causing you to not sense God. But sometimes it is, so this is a good starting point. So here's the thing, is that God doesn't answer because you don't listen. It has nothing to do with him not answering. He's answering. He's actually we're not hearing because our hearts aren't open. And so here's, here's what I want you to, I want to ask a couple questions. Am I ungrateful? Do I complain about what I do, what I don't have? When, he, when, I, when I saw these questions, when I, when, when I wrote them down and I, and I saw them and, and I thought about it and I was like, huh, wonder how I, I passed on this test. Am I unbelieving or not trusting God with an area of my life? And I knew my wife always looks at me when I question the time. (laughs) Like, honey, we didn't have the parking at at the time. We had the parking the Thursday that we launched. The Thursday that we launched. The convention center, yes, said, yes, you can park. I'm telling you, the 11th hour, 59th minute, and probably 59th second, too. But today, our response, I want you to think about some of these expressions of worship that we talked about. There were seven of them. But I don't want to project any expectations on you because worship is about the heart. So why did we change up service? Because I wanted to give us an opportunity to worship together as a church. So we're going to go back into a song. We're going to go back into what a beautiful name. I'm going to invite the worship team up here now. And and I want you to go after God. And I want you to listen. I want you to do something that you've never done before. And maybe you have. But I want you to do it. I would like to invite you to simply do something that maybe, that maybe it might be uncomfortable. But... Maybe sing, because some of us just stand there. Maybe bow. Maybe silently listen. Maybe close your eyes and meditate on the words. Because I don't know if you've heard the words that are in that song. That is a celebratory song. It's slower, but it's a time for us to sing and lift our hands and praise and surrender to God because it's such a beautiful name because of what he did, because of who he is. See, I grew up in a Baptist church, as I said at the beginning. And the thing is, I can remember my wife coming. We went to the church, and we never went after this pretty much. I think was probably our last time. She, she wanted to clap after someone got done singing a solo. And I stopped her, and I said, we don't do that here. She looked at me like all crazy. And she said, I'm not doing it to say thank you to that person. I'm doing it to honor him. And so I will tell you that until about 10 years ago, I did not really know how to worship. I did the acts. I did the motions. I went through it. But you know, I shut my eyes 
And Jesus got the best of me. He shared with me why he did everything he's done. So that I would have an opportunity to come to a place like this and worship and experience God's presence. That doesn't mean that he doesn't go with us. What that means is there's more for us to experience when we're together as a community. And so I encourage you. I encourage you to stand up. Yeah, right now. Stand up. Because we're going to do something different. We're actually going to sing a worship song at the end and not just a praise song. And there is a difference about that, and we can talk about that at at a later time. But I want to stand and worship. And we're just going to worship for just a few minutes. But after that, I'm going to come back and I want, to, I want to talk about some final instructions. So don't anybody leave. Make sure that you experience his presence in this moment. And the band is going to get ready to, pray, to play. And I just ask that you will just close your eyes. You will listen. You will, you will raise your hands in active surrendering. And you will just experience God's presence in this next moment. Amen.